quotes Infused with the scent of potpourri Films we commit to memory Crossing the felt ropes Watching from home on my TV Looking at all my eyes can see They tell me I view obsessively Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be a genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com, and while every episode will always be free, if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for tons of bonus audio content, including TV and book reviews, immediate reaction movie reviews, Patreon potpourri episodes, movie commentary tracks, and much more. Um, in addition to that, I'll give a whole spiel about Patreon as well, but, uh, in addition to that, but, um, yeah, it's, there's a new shop feature basically. So go to, uh, obsessiveviewer.com slash Patreon for more information. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and you can find me on social media, including Letterboxd at Obsessive Viewer and on TikToks where I'm doing, uh, TikToks, um, on the TikTok machine where I'm doing mostly book talk uh, reviews and everything. So that's uh, my username on there is OV Podcasts. Um, but yeah, but today on the show, we're going to be reviewing the new Brian Duffield uh, sci-fi uh, horror movie on Hulu called No One Will Save You, um, starring Caitlin Deaver. Um, it's a home invasion thriller um, about aliens. So That'll be very exciting. We're going to do that in non-spoiler and spoiler review. And in doing that, we are going to, or joining me to do that is, of course, Tiny. There we go. Hi, Tiny. How's it going? Hey, buddy. It's going really good. Good, good. Are you excited to talk uh, No One Will Save You? I am. I am excited. Nice. Yeah, I'm very curious what you thought of it. Um and we'll get, we'll get into that, but I do want to kind of highlight a new, a new feature on Patreon. So, um, Patreon is a subscription based, uh, premium stuff or whatever. So we have, we have different tiers on Patreon. So if you go to Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, you can sign up at different reward tiers. So we have a $2 tier that gets you access to immediate movie reviews, immediate uh, or TV reaction recordings and book reviews. Uh, if you bump up to like the $5 level, you get all of that plus um, movie commentary tracks and Patreon potpourri episodes, which are full length episodes that I do mostly during award season. Um, and then $10 gets you that plus like audio test recordings and monthly wrap up recordings. I need to get back into doing cause it's been several months since I've done that, but, uh, but you get a lot of content on Patreon, but Patreon has a new, a new, um, thing where you can where you can create a shop so that's what i've done and i'm going to be adding more stuff to it so if you don't want to do a subscription to patreon and you just want to buy like directly buy content from us you can do that at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer slash shop or you can go to obsessiveviewer.com slash patreon i'll put a whole bunch of links in the show notes of this episode but basically right now as of this recording there's a bunch of stephen king read-along review stuff on there so I did like a five-part read-along review of Night Shift, his short, short story collection, a six-part episode or a six-part read-along review of Nightmares and Dreamscapes, Skeleton Crew, and then I also did Billy Summers' 
uh, fairy tale, the whole Bill Hodges trilogy, The Outsider, and If It Bleeds. And as of this coming Sunday, I will have finished my read-along review of Holly. Uh, so all of that's going to be on the Patreon shop. You can buy those uh, a la carte, and basically you pay directly to Patreon. I get They get a cut, I get the money, and then you get the files forever. So anyway, check that out. Uh, go to obsessiveviewer.com slash Patreon. <sighs> okay. So uh, the hard sell has been hard, hard sold. <laughs> so uh, Tiny, how, like, wh- what's up? Uh, do you want to uh, give me a hand and pull me out of this little grave I've dug for myself of self-promotion? <laughs> uh, yeah, I am doing really good. Uh, today we're talking about No One Will Save You on yes. Hulu. Yes. And we're going to get right into it, basically. So we're going to do a non-spoiler review and spoiler review. Um, This is a very unique horror sci-fi thriller um, that I have some issues with and stuff stuff that I'll have to work out and everything as we review it. But um, I will say also, to get back to the Patreon thing, I have immediate movie reactions uh, on there as well. So anytime I watch like a new release movie, I record my immediate thoughts on it. Uh, I did an episode for no one will save you. And I looked and that was my 30th immediate, immediate reaction recording of the year of like 30. Um, so, so Damn. yeah, I, uh, kind I, I was going to say I need a life, but this is my life. So, um, uh, so yeah, but anyway, so I started working out my thoughts on this movie on that, but I'll further get into it in our review. Um, so yeah, so I'm excited to talk to you about it, Tiny, because you are notoriously a person who has feelings about alien invasions, about alien uh, abductions and horror with alien spins on them. So yes. Yeah, so like when I when I pitched the idea of reviewing it on the show, <clears throat> I remember you saying that uh you were definitely all for it because you saw the trailer and it gave you nightmares. <laughs> so uh so we're going to get into our review now. Um and I definitely want to get your your feelings on your expectations of it and your your kind of over overall feelings on it. But uh before I do that, obviously just to give the whole spiel, uh, it was written and directed by Brian Duffield. Uh, it stars Caitlin Deaver, and the plot summary courtesy of IMDb is an exiled, anxiety-ridden homebody must battle an alien who's found its way into her home. And once again, this is on Hulu. Uh, it was released on September 22nd. So, Tiny, uh, what were your expectations going in, and how did you feel about the movie overall in... Um, uh, non-spoilers well i had some sort of uh muddled expectations i guess you could say um because that was based solely on the trailer um and i i had actually i was proud of myself i'd actually heard about the movie before you mentioned it to me (laughs) um because my got my um my relationship to movies has just changed so much i'm just not oh yeah watching them i'm just not uh it's this is (laughs) <laughs> uh, spoiler alert for the end of the year. This is going to be my worst year for movies ever. Oh, wow. Um, and, and that's a bummer. But at the same time, like I just, I, you know, things are changing for me. But oh, um, yeah. 
but this <clears throat> I, this was great. I'm really really glad I watched it, and I I, I saw the trailer. I I'm on Hulu a lot because that's what we use to watch sports and stuff. And, right. Um, it's football season and NASCAR and racing still going on and all that. So um, so yeah, this popped up on my radar, and I was instantly you know with the alien thing, I was like, okay, I need to watch this trailer, and then. After the trailer, I was like, I gotta watch that movie and be terrified to death of it. So the trailer um really hooked me in because I thought, you know, there's it's it takes the trailer, as trailers are wont to do, takes some of the most intense, uh, crazy parts of the movie and, and weaves them together in a trailer style. And I was just like, This looks bananas, <laughs> scary, wicked, and you know, that's how I felt like the first half, and then it kind of I can see that like the movie kind of amps up a little bit and it gets away from the, I think it gets away from the mystery of what the alien and the creature looks like and what it's doing there and all that. Mm -hmm. And it seems a little more surface level and a little less mysterious. And I think that takes away a lot of the, uh, a lot of the horror of it. So I I was like, I I feel like it's going to start really well and it's going to be pretty nuts and scary and cool and and well done. And then it might just kind of get a little, over the top or, or be a little bit um too on the nose i i, I kind of had, had that expectation uh from the trailer anyways um you know it, fe- it felt like kind of a like a like a chase them up kind of horror movie by the end of the trailer and i was like i don't know if i'm as much into that um from an alien abduction or an alien invasion standpoint so so yeah i i, I kind of had mixed muddled expectations going in my reaction to it um my overall thoughts are pretty positive actually i think it's i i think you know this is obviously a a subgenre all its own alien invasion or alien abduction horror is a very um a very tapped into sub subgenre um and there's some good examples there's some bad examples um but i i think parts of this movie are a little derivative, not particularly original or impressive, but then other parts I think are brilliant. Like like the the opening act of this movie is so intense and just I was like on the edge of my seat and I was like I'd be dead. I'd be dead. I would die of fear <laughs> and and just I would I would die. Like I would I would think I would go into shock if this was me. Um, I'll go into details on it later when we're in, we're in spoilers, but um, I was so impressed by the camera work, uh, Caitlin Deaver's acting, um, the choreography of how all of the all of it was woven together. The design of the alien and the creature was really cool. Um, it was both kind of a classic design, but they totally spun it into their own thing and made it. Uh, sort of a newer um, kind of made it their own version of an alien and I thought it was really well done so those are a lot of the good things and then and then it, it does kind of go you know not avoiding spoilers but it does kind of go in a, a different direction or it gets a little more um, it gets much more on the nose and it, it does kind of do what I thought it was going to do and it's not that it turns out to be a bad movie or it has a bad ending I think I think there's still a lot for the movie to hang its hat on but um it it sort of turns into not not as scary and not as um not as unique of a movie and i think it kind of gets away from itself a little bit 
Um, and then there's some other issues, but but ultimately, I really appreciated the creativity and the um, the way they really went for it in this movie. I mean, Brian Duffield both wrote and directed it, so I think you know this is tr- truly his vision. And he, you know, I think he had a clear, concise vision, and he stuck to it. And I really respect the movie for that, despite its issues. Well said. I think I'm going to come down quite a bit harder on it than than you, which is interesting because you rated it three stars on Letterboxd. I rated it two and a yeah. half. Um, yeah. Which, I was which trying is, to be realistic, I think. Yeah. And like with me, I feel like I'm still kind of working through a little bit about it. I did have like some pretty big sticking points that are more things that I brought to the to the movie than anything else. And namely is... It is at times very original, but it's also kind of piggybacking off of its influences. And I'll talk more in depth about that and everything, but my expectations were pretty relatively well managed. Um, I had seen the trailer once, I was interested in it, and then uh, I figured that we needed an episode, <laughs> so <laughs> like it had been a while. So I was excited to watch it, and then... Um, and this isn't, this is something that signaled to me, like, I wasn't aware that it was going to be a full on, I didn't, I didn't know what the gimmick was. Like, I did not know that there was a, a gimmick built into it in terms of, I, I think it's safe to, I think it's okay to say that there's little to no dialogue in this movie. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't aware that that was going to be the case until... I saw a tweet from uh, one of our favorite people, obviously, Stephen King. Um, He, uh, Stephen King is obviously someone who uh, watches a lot of uh, stuff and everything. So he'll comment on it and everything. So he said, no one will save you. Brilliant, daring, involving, scary. You have to go back over 60 years to a Twilight Zone episode called The Invaders to find anything remotely like it. Truly unique. And yes. So, and then and then I, um, I entered my pick me era um, and quote tweeted <laughs> him. Uh, he didn't, he did not respond, but Uh, I quote tweeted him and said, of course, listen to King and don't sleep on the invaders or any Twilight Zone for that matter. By the way, check out my podcast anthology. Uh, But also check out his wonderful Battleground short story in Night Shift and its adaptation in TNT's Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Both pay loving and unique tribute to the invaders. So it's something I've talked about uh, endlessly, both on Patreon and on Tower Junkies, but in Stephen King's 79 um, short story collection, Night Shift, there is a short story called Battleground. And that short story is a direct homage to that episode of the, Twi- the Twilight Zone, The Invaders. The Invaders is about a woman alone in a house who is invaded upon by uh, miniature aliens um, <clears throat> that attack her. Battleground is King paying tribute to that episode by making a story about a hitman who is in this penthouse who his one of his enemies has delivered a package to him, and the package is a bunch of toy soldiers that come to life and attack him. So very similar to that. And then and then I'll 
I'll get to my thoughts on the movie and everything, but I just wanted to get through this little like preamble. But in Nightmares and Dreamscapes, the like limited series anthology show based on a bunch of Stephen King's stories, that story was adapted uh, starring William Hurt and uh, was adapted by uh, Richard Christian um, Matheson, who was the son of the writer of that episode of The Twilight Zone. And what nice. I find, yeah, and it, like it's such a fascinating thing to me because Stephen King wrote Battleground clearly as an homage to the Invaders, and the Invaders starred Agnes Moorhead. And what was notable about that episode is that there is no dialogue. Um, it is completely like it is just her reacting to things because she like and she doesn't speak until like we don't get any dialogue in that episode until the end of the episode which it has a classic twilight zone twist to it and it's great it's fantastic then when battleground was adapted into nightmares and dreamscapes uh richard matheson's son directed it and uh they made the choice to make that episode have no dialogue in it and i thought that that was beautiful that was fantastic and so now we're in 2023 And now we have this movie and No One Will Save You is about a woman who is descended upon by an alien invasion. She's fighting off an alien invasion and everything. And there is little to no dialogue. And it's clearly an aesthetic choice. And it is clearly something that is done to pay homage to what came before it and particularly to that episode of The Twilight Zone. So one of my main sticking points for this movie was that I thought that that first act, the first half hour of the movie is very interesting and very effective at carrying on that sense of suspense and and terror and um, and utilizing that gimmick very, very well. And I say gimmick as not necessarily as a pejorative, but it becomes kind of a, a, a sticking point for me and it becomes a bit of a pejorative because... After about 30 minutes, I was in in my head realizing that there's a reason why that worked in The Twilight Zone and why it worked in Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Both are like 22-minute episodes. I think Nightmares and Dreamscapes was actually like 40 minutes, but they are of a considerably shorter length than a feature-length film. And what became abundantly clear to me is that the movie felt like it was... It was creating scenarios to basically um, to basically prioritize that gimmick that that gimmick as opposed to organically creating good story around it. Like it was like it was prioritizing the gimmick of having a basically dialogueless movie instead of prioritizing how to tell the story that it was telling, and that made. The second, the second, third, and the third, third, um, the la- the remainder of the movie, um, to be a huge slog for me, um, and it just, it really, it really felt a little bit uh, uh, laboring at that point. So, um, I did appreciate the home invasion aspect of it, the, uh, the way that the tension is communicated through through the camera work through like the creaks of the house the 
the reveals of the aliens and how they operate and everything is really interesting. But I kept getting just kind of irritated about the whole like gimmicky side of, of the movie. Um, and I have thoughts about the aliens and everything as well, but I'll, I'll save that for in a bit, but it just, it, it didn't work for me as well as I, as I was really hoping that it would based on the trailer and the fact that it was a, it was setting itself out to be what I think would have, could have been a loving tribute to one of the iconic, uh, episodes of the twilight zone. Um, and I just think it really fell short of that, especially after the first 30 or 30 or 40 minutes of it. Yeah, that's totally fair. I, I agree. I think the, um, the whole no dialogue thing, I, I, I agree. I think, I think gimmick can be, I liked what you said where gimmick can, doesn't have to be a pejorative term. Mm-hmm. Like it can be, it can be a fun thing. Right. But I fully agree with you as well that this was, it turned into a hindrance on the movie. Um, yeah. there, there's a point where it became unrealistic or it mm-hmm. became uh, just ridiculous, frankly. Yeah. Like it, it just didn't make sense for what was going on. Yeah. Um, Is there, are you referring to a very specific scene or yes. just, okay. Yeah. I think, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah. And, and from that point, it's, that's about the midpoint of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that point forward, it, the lack of dialogue bothered me. And I, I think, and again, I think it, I think the idea of using it and especially in the first act, which is the, um, the home invasion part that you see in the trailer, that's the first act, which I think like if we were just writing that, like if it were a short movie, I seriously, that'd be like four and a half stars out of five for me. Oh, absolutely. I was amazed by that. But from there it was. I don't want to say it was all downhill because there's stuff I liked in the other acts, the second and third acts as well. But um, it, it it's it's a shame. It's a shame yeah. because they had a third. They had a third of a movie that was fantastic, and yeah. the other two thirds are they're okay. I mean, they're they're fine. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think the whole dialogue thing just didn't. It wasn't necessary. Like I, I think it's I think it's a it's a tool you can use, but you don't have to build an entire movie around mm-hmm. it. You know, I, I, it made me think of like, um, I don't even remember what it was called. The, uh, <laughs> the Oscar, Oscar winning movie, the silent movie. Um, uh, it was like 2011. The um, artist, the artist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like that wasn't like that movie was cool and I liked it, but it was like, like they made silent movies silent because they didn't have the technology. Like mm-hmm. everyone who was making a silent movie in 1919 was making it silent because audio capturing technology didn't exist. Like it was, right. they had to be creative despite that. And like that, I don't know. I'm not saying you can't make a silent movie anymore, but I, that, that's what bothered me about the artist is it was like, I don't know. It, it felt, it felt like a negative gimmick to, mm-hmm. to kind of, follow your your logic or your uh, your points earlier um and that's what it felt like in this too like like they were they were just using no dialogue for the sake of using no dialogue or for the sake that the sake of saying they did it and that's not that's not creative in my opinion that's Mm -hmm. just i it, it took away from the creativity is the best way i can say it i guess i wholeheartedly agree and and one of the biggest issues I had with that, with them going full bore into that whole idea of like having it be no dialogue is that 
a considerable like the the emotional crux of the movie is trauma in uh caitlin deaver's character's backstory her history and it's hinted at very very subtly not subtly but it's very it's teased very well in that first act because she basically she's um in that first act she visits a grave site and we see who the grave is for and then we see that she is writing a letter to someone and we're reading the letter and we're seeing that like okay there's something traumatic in her past that causes her to be kind of an outcast of uh either an outcast of the town or someone who is afraid of everyone in the town and so those like like little nuggets of 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 hints of backstory are very effective at grabbing my attention and having me invested the problem is that because the movie is depending on itself to be this dialogue free movie when those when those pieces of history in her backstory come into play in terms of that that kind of classic horror horror um aesthetic of you know confronting your trauma and working through your trauma and everything while in the face of horror and everything when that comes into play the movie it, because there's no dialogue because she's not playing off of anyone it has to be a solely visual representation of what was in her past how she processed that which there are there are definitely creative ways that that they could have communicated that visually and the movie does work to do that but my problem was that i was just so hung up on the fact that the movie seemed like it was trying so hard to justify carrying on this no dialogue isolation um aesthetic throughout it that it made me just actively become more and more disinterested in whatever her backstory was, whatever her history was, because it just felt, again, like a gimmick in the pejorative sense. And it just, it really, really bothered me because I think that it could have been done really well, but it just wasn't because it was so dependent on on making itself be uh, this, this kind of gimmicky thing, um, kind of similar, similar to like how some people get very annoyed at like one shot movies and how that can come across as a gimmick, kind of a similar thing here. Um, yeah. And it just, it just didn't, I found myself just very much, uh, disinterested in, in the story as it progressed throughout, throughout the movie. And it's, I mean, it's an hour and a half long. It's not a long movie. And, if I'm invested in the first half, if I'm invested in the story being told and the character's story, and then if I, like 15 minutes after that, if I'm just just like kind of working to hold my attention, then I think that that is a pretty big indictment against the movie. Um, <clears throat> and a real shame because I think it could have been, could have been really interesting if they, they had focused more on the, on the storyline. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I agree. I, I think uh, uh, I think the whole her her development again just took took a back seat to the gimmick of the movie, and that's yeah. you, you shouldn't ever sacrifice something like that. Like mm-hmm. 
again, that turn, it turns the gimmick into a negative one because you're sacrificing yeah. other parts of the creative process to follow that path. And it took away from it. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. And it, it reminded me a lot of 2020's The Vast of Night. Um, the Vast of Night, which I was a big fan of. I thought that was a fantastic mm-hmm. movie. Um, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And it, they're very similar in the way that they are clearly drawing inspiration from classic science fiction. In particular, both are directly uh, referencing and paying homage to The Twilight Zone, which obviously I'm a huge fan of. So like here they're borrowing or they're they're playing with an entire like episode of of the show and they're paying homage to that in particular the vast of night is doing a more just ethereal homage to the twilight zone it opens with like a a kind of fake intro to a fake uh series like the twilight zone with like a rod sterling uh, kind of um, figure narrating it and then it pays loving homage to it by like naming the town Cayuga which is the name of of the production company the Rod Serling's production company and the the town he grew up in or something um, and then it forges forges its own path like the vast of night is a very unique unique movie in the way that it is it is paying loving loving tribute to classic science fiction even the name of the radio station is wotw which is which stands for war of the worlds um and like though that's like the clever way to do it that's the clever and interesting way to make your own unique thing not everything works in that movie but the things that do just when it's firing on all cylinders it's incredible here we just have it's just all homage and then i'll talk in more detail um in spoilers but i i appreciated certain aspects of the alien design but for the most part it just felt like the gray men from like the 50s like that like it's just what like mm-hmm. okay it's the the classic cliched alien forms from like the fifties and like there's variations of them in this movie. And it's interesting the way that they do it, but I just couldn't escape the fact that like you're paying homage to a a twilight zone episode. And then you're filling the movie with, um, creature designs and alien tech that is conventionally like the like it feels like it is just already just cliched representation of aliens um and it just feels very it just left a sour taste in my mouth um yeah which i'll talk more about that in spoilers but um that's fair that's fair i i i disagree to an extent because i think the Mm. to me i thought the alien design was I almost want to say it was like refreshingly classic, which is oh. maybe a bit of a misnomer because I, I feel like I'm I'm thinking of other alien movies like um God that uh, and this was more of an abduction as opposed to an invasion movie. I mean it, it had aspects of both, but um the crux of it is the abduction part or the home invasion you know Mm -hmm. uh as opposed to like a you know aliens taking over the world which obviously that's a thing but you know what i mean so i I think about a movie like um uh oh man i'm forgetting the title um something about 
tomorrow the chris pratt one that was on amazon oh, that was like uh, the tomorrow war i think the tomorrow war that's yeah. it um or like um damn i'm i'm blanking on the freaking title again uh <laughs> um tom cruise and emily blunt um die kill repeat oh or whatever yeah it's called or, uh, uh, uh live die repeat yeah um, edge of tomorrow edge of tomorrow yeah they both have tomorrow and yeah. yeah um or so like those aliens repeat. right um <clears throat> those aliens were newer different but kind of forgettable really like they weren't you know they're not going to stick in my mind and and i feel like that's what kind of happens when they try to do something new um and i'm not criticizing those but i you know they're just not memorable whereas this movie they took the classic like you were saying kind of the classic skinny gray gray man with big eyes and a big head and they're bald and they're not really talking there's some telepathy and telekinesis and stuff like that um so it's classic but then i think they took it and really made it their own i think the the whole scene where the um alien has you see that it has like dexterity and its feet and it has like it's using its toes like fingers where it like kind of goes along the mm-hmm. uh the floor like that that's that was kind of fun and then just the whole um the, the it seems like they can uh these aliens could um they were telekinetic. They could move things and uh, affect electricity and do that seemingly at will. Like they were almost like uh, like Jedi or something. I don't know. Like they <laughs> yeah. they were like superheroes. Like you could not. They were like unstoppable because they could just reach their hand out and grab you like a Jedi does in Star Wars. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was so incredible. Like their power and and I also like how they were the alien at least the the second alien Mm -hmm. um it was reacting to the situation like it it was trying to study her it wasn't just one track mind focused on abducting her and getting her like it was kind of studying her and reacting to her um i thought that was fascinating you know it it saw her all the pictures she had hanging in in the room and it's looking at the pictures and kind of studying her. And I thought that was, I don't know. It, it felt, it felt fresh to me. Like, like it took a classic, a classic template and made it its own and, and, and freshened it up a little bit. Um, I, I, I like really respected that. Now the, the alien with the really long legs and it was really tall. (laughs) And then kind of the mini version of that one, like, Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with them ostensibly, but again, just kind of forgettable. They seemed like the ancillary. I don't know if one of that one was like a kid version or something. I, I, I don't know, but and that's not necessarily important. But um, the the primary alien character, I, right. I was really, I was really kind of impressed with it. Like it's it's probably going to stick with me. I thought I thought it was, you know, like I said, just kind of a um, classically refreshing. I guess is is how I would say it. So. But I, I I understand your criticisms though. Mm-hmm. Like I, I totally get your reaction to it. That's that's understandable. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. And like I said, there there's some pretty good variety in the types of aliens or the the different variations of them. And I did really I really, really liked the first encounter with the alien. Even though that that yeah. that in itself is also kind of feels a little bit derivative like like there is a level of homage to like signs when when the alien yeah. 
is on the other side of like the refrigerator door and it that just felt like like M Night Shyamalan cosplay for a little bit. Um but the way that that plays out is so interesting the way that it the way that it ends. And I'll talk more in spoilers, but it, it's a really interesting way for the movie to hint at the backstory and hint at the trauma of the character. But that happens so early and because of the kind of gimmick of the movie, we don't know the backstory. We don't know how that affects the character until the third act of the movie when that's more that's that's kind of unveiled a lot more and and given to us again visually like it's not anything that's really explored with much depth not that there's not that there's any issue with having that be the way that it's that un, that it unfolds and everything but it does feel just very um sloppy at the end of the day so yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Do you want to, speaking of that, do you want to jump into spoilers? Yes, absolutely. Um, just to reiterate, I rated it two and a half stars. If I mean, you might enjoy it. It might it might work better for people than it did for me, but I just kind of couldn't get past some of the uh, some of the issues that I had with it. Um, visually, it's really good, um, and the tension where it worked worked really well. But uh, but yeah, but that's that's how I felt about it. Um, Tiny, your your rating again? I gave it three stars. <clears throat> I kind of wanted to give it like three and a half, but I was like, I just you know thinking more about it. I, I think some of those um some of those shortcomings were a little more glaring mm-hmm. than the creativity and uniqueness of the movie. I think so. I, I I gave it three stars. Nice, nice. All right. Well, we are going to go into spoilers for uh. I keep fumbling the name. No one will save you. Um, so once again, it's streaming on Hulu. Um, if you uh, go watch it before you listen to the spoiler section, or if you want to skip over, check the show notes. Uh, if we do a, a, a potpourri section, it'll be on there. So uh, yeah, so we're going to go into spoilers. I'm going to play a clip from the trailer. And when we come back, we're going to be spoiling. No one will save you. Okay, so spoilers on for No One Will Save You. And I have a couple of points that I want to bring up. Um, and, and we can kind of dive into spoilers from there. First of all, um, a couple of things that, again, felt very dry and derivative for me was, in addition to the overall design of the aliens for me personally, um, in addition to that, the level of... Um, the 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 sound design of the aliens which you could hear a little bit in the trailer like that kind of clicking noise it just felt like that felt like every movie monster of the past like 10 or so years it just felt like ev- like everything from like it reminded me of like the cloverfield monster and uh the aliens from a quiet place just like that like guttural clicking noise it just felt very very um 
uh, reminiscent of that and not fully um, unique to the to the movie. Um, the other major sticking point I had was in addition to the kind of cliched character design or the cliched design of the aliens themselves was the way that like, yeah, the telekinesis is interesting. It's cool and everything. Um, it's threatening. That's really interesting. But like everything from the design of the aliens to the saucers, to the tractor beam, to the to the to the circles on on the grass like all of that just felt like it felt like the movie wasn't really a, even attempting to do anything like wholly unique with the lore of the aliens it's like what is the most popular way that aliens have been depicted for decades let's go with that and that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way um in addition to all of my other gripes that I've said. Um, did you have any thoughts on that tiny? That those are both totally valid points. I hadn't really thought about, I think I, I was just, I had such a positive reaction to the aliens. I didn't consider all the other, like, like you said, the crop circles or the, mm-hmm. well, you know, the circle on the ground, the tractor beam, the flying saucers. That's true. And that is, I think that is a weak spot. Now that you said that I, I totally agree with that. Um, and the other part about, sorry, what was your, your other point? Was the um, uh, the other point was the um, clicking noises, like the noises that they made. Yes, yeah, fully agree. That was overplayed mm-hmm. like crazy. Yeah, I totally. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a negative on on my list as well. Yeah. And even even like later in the movie, when we when it's revealed, like one of the more one of the more interesting aspects of it was one of the more unique aspects of the aliens is that like the creepy squid like things from the throat that go in and possess people or infect people and everything to, to take control of them. That's disgusting. That's interesting. That's really cool. Um, but again, I like, it just, it is in, it's in competition with so many things that just aren't that interesting that it, it was, it was a chore for me to, to navigate my interest level of the movie because it kept dipping and rising. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, that the color design, like the the cinematography of it, the blue the blue beam, um, and also, the, like, the red lights from when she's, like, in the ship or wherever it was, like, that was really interesting. And, and like, the color, the color palette was really, was really interesting and doing a lot to really hold my attention. Yeah, 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 a lot of good visuals in the movie throughout. Yeah. Um, not to jump to the end, but this is mm-hmm. something I, I wanted clarification on, mm-hmm. or not, not necessarily the end, but um, so her her trauma with her friend, uh, Maud was it Maud? Yeah, her friend Maud. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if I just wasn't paying close enough attention or whatever, but. Are, were we led to believe that she was in an argument with her friend and she hit her in the face with a rock and accidentally killed her? Is that what happened? That's my understanding. It would have been great if maybe when, you know, she goes to the police station and she sees the parents, they had some kind of expository dialogue. But there was no chance yeah. of that. But we'll get back to that in a second. But, yeah. um, but yeah, that's my understanding of it. And... I I like the way that the movie 
handles well okay one of my other sticking points and something that i found kind of interesting as well is that and this is going to be a slight slight spoiler for the twilight zone like the jordan peele produced twilight zone um which is apparently available on freebie um but the jordan peele produced twilight zone there was an episode in season two called a human face with uh chris molina and uh oh god uh jenna elfman i think yeah jenna elfman where they are uh it's the grieving couple are led to second guess what's worth leaving behind when an otherworldly encounter interrupts their move so basically in that episode and stop me if this sounds familiar tiny um in that episode um this couple have lost a child and aliens come and replicate that child's presence and tries to manipulate them and everything and spoiler for that episode but it ends with them embracing their lost child and like succumbing to to the alien invasion because it brought back their loved one a a facsimile of their loved one but in their minds like they're not going to fight against this this invasion because their grief has been kind of cured um if they allow themselves to believe that the way that this movie ends feels like not a ripoff of that but it feels very close to it and it it bothers me because the movie is so so insistent on paying homage to the original series that it's just peculiar to me that it ends in such a way that is reminiscent of the latest Twilight Zone series. Um, in the ending, what I'm what I'm kind of gathering from it is that Bryn, uh, played by Caitlin Deaver, she uh, like the aliens see her trauma or what have you, and they she basically falls in line with the invasion, all of the possessed people, and she has happiness in her community again that is all like a manufactured happiness from the aliens that are invading and taking control and everything, which just feels fine, like, cool, that's that's neat. I was already kind of checked out by that point, but whatever. It just it just felt weird that it was um, so reminiscent of um, an, an episode of The Twilight Zone. <laughs> so yeah interesting i had forgotten about that episode of the newer twilight zone um yeah. but yeah i mean certainly a lot of parts of the movie were derivative yeah, yeah. that's yeah totally like again totally a valid criticism mm-hmm. um for me the just back to the the whole where she killed her friend i i yeah I, that should have been like there was a part in the movie like right before that where there's it's the only line of actual dialogue in the movie where Mm -hmm. she is being uh hypnotized i don't know whatever you want to call it um the aliens are forcing a projection into her mind it seems like and she gets to essentially apologize to her friend um that should have been that was fine and i i didn't mind it but that the if they wanted to spend their dialogue on a scene it should have been the damn fight scene where yeah. she accidentally kill, kills her friend because obviously the scene needed better clarification and would have been much more um that scene was not adequate to develop her character 
as a strictly visual scene. We needed mm-hmm. the dialogue. Like sometimes, like the idea of no dialogue in a movie is cool, and I understand that. But dialogue, you just need it sometimes. Yeah. And that scene needed dialogue. It was not clear uh, what was going on. Like why were they fighting? It, like how how does her friend feel? How did she really feel? That the visuals were not enough to convey those points and they should have spent their dialogue on that scene and i was not at all pleased with that part that was my least favorite parts i i didn't care for it and it was not a very good creative choice um yeah yeah i i didn't care for it i mean same and and also in addition to that like we needed we need the backstory like we need the full extent of the backstory because yeah for me like when we see her mother's gravestone and then we see her talk like writing a letter to Maud and then we learn that Maud is dead and everything like that in my brain is like, okay, that's like, it's confusing to me because I was like, are the, are the deaths related in some way? Because it's just like, we don't have any other information and they're not because, you know, there's many years between the deaths and everything. But what I could pick up from it is that her mother was her only kind of, reprieve from the grief and the uh quote-unquote exile from the community and like now that her mother has died she has no one and that's what like where we're where we find her in the movie at the beginning that's all really interesting i like that but i just think that there should have been a way to explain it at least more clearly visually even um in the early stages of the movie and throughout the movie because on paper, it's a very interesting premise. It's a very interesting story in the way that it's communicating how everyone in town hates her and, and she is she is ostracized from the town. And like that's communicated wonderfully with like when she sees the neighbor and he kind of like he kind of just like hisses at her essentially and then and then that's double down. Like, was the scene that you were referring to, was that the police station scene? Where, yeah, um, yeah that's same here. I was just like, because at that point, I was like, oh, okay, now we're going to get like, like, okay, we're about halfway through the movie and they're going to drop the whole like dialogue thing. That was a really interesting hook for the movie. And now they're going to do it. And then I was just so annoyed. Like, I was so annoyed because... That felt so, like, unearned. Like, that felt that felt less like the movie was trying to communicate that the parents still don't, like, don't, don't forgive her for what she did. Or it, like, it felt, it felt less like the movie was trying to communicate that and more like the movie was like, okay, we, you, you think they're going to talk to her, but no, 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 no. We're still going to do this fun little thing. And we're going to keep it going. And like that just felt so cheap. And um, it just, it did, it didn't work for me. I, I really disliked that. So, yeah. That's funny because I had the exact same reaction. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, yeah, this is where they're going to have the, this is where the dialogue is going to drop in yeah. because it needs to. And it didn't. And I was just like, ah, okay. Yeah. Didn't like that. And then it was a lot of, <laughs> a lot more. A lot more negativity from that point forward. You yeah. know, I, I they, they could have made a movie where 90, 80 to 90% of the movie is dialogue free right. and had these dialogue drops. Like, mm-hmm. boom, right there. 
would have been so effective and dramatic yeah. and shocking to have a tiny bit of back and forth just right between her and those characters and same thing with the kind of cathartic scene or the the, the scene where she's um they're showing what happened between her and her friend like mm-hmm. you would have had just you probably would have had a lot better uh much more effectiveness um from a creative standpoint if you had just done that and, and yeah. it wouldn't have taken away from the fact that you have a largely dialogue free movie and you told a bunch of the story from a strictly visual standpoint that would have been really cool yeah. and i I just totally dropped the ball. I, I I don't. I'm surprised that someone else didn't make that. Maybe someone else did make that note, but the note wasn't strong enough, or that person wasn't yeah. powerful enough to <laughs> right. get them to change the movie. And that's really a shame because I think it would have elevated it a lot. Yeah, and like I'll even I'll I'll do you one better. It would have been, I would have been floored if the movie was instead instead of instead of the movie dropping the dialogue free gimmick at that moment it would have been i are arguably more effective and more interesting if when she goes to town she like no one speaks to her but we can overhear what people are saying about her in her in the in her vicinity like right that could have that could have communicated so much more it could have given us backstory it could have given us this sense of surrealness to her like we could have been questioning like is she imagining this is she imagining these statements is or is she imagining this reaction or is this actual like things that people are saying in her in her presence or near her uh within earshot like that would have that would have communicated everything so much better than just a strictly visual um thing that they ended up doing so I don't know. I fully was, agree. Yeah. Fully agree. It yeah. it bothered me. Yeah. And I, I hadn't reacted to your your points about the ending. Um Oh yeah. Yeah. I I, I thought it was I thought it was sort of interesting. I didn't love it or anything, but mm-hmm. um I, I I from a creative standpoint, I I saw what he was I understood what he was going for, what they were going for, and mm-hmm. um I thought it was kind of interesting. Um I didn't I didn't draw the derivative conclusion you did. I right. again, I had kind of forgotten about that episode of the Twilight Zone, but um, I think most people did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, um, but I do think that's, you know, the the character choosing to give in. Yeah, to their uh, less than to to a circumstance that's actually probably not good for them, or right. they're giving in to being deceived because of the trauma they've been through. Yeah. Um, that, that's a, that's a storytelling device that we've seen before. Um, but, but I, I think it was kind of fun or it was maybe a little bit unique because I think the aliens chose, they made that decision in the moment, you know, they were like, they, they saw what she had been through and chose to take pity on her and she chose to embrace it. Like I, I thought it was kind of, kind of interesting. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that I'd say I respected it, but it, it was it, it was an interesting choice, and I I I didn't I didn't dislike it as much as you did. That's fair. That's totally fair. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if I have really much else to to really dive into it, so we can kind of start winding down. But yeah. um, any other kind of overall thoughts on the movie that we didn't touch on? Um, 
uh, anything anything that we didn't touch on? We didn't talk very much about Caitlin Deaver, but I yeah, she's phenomenal. Oh I, I, yeah, she's so good. I mean, I, I think anyone would watch this and and agree. I, I've seen her in so many things. She's a such a good actor, and I this was another another great performance from her. Oh yeah, absolutely. Her performance is is fantastic with what she's given. Um, mm-hmm. I think that a lesser actor would have not been able to really handle the uh the just built-in subtlety of the of the role like this is a very it's a very meaty role for her so and i think she she really nailed it yeah. so yeah nothing but yeah, praise she for her. take right she takes on trauma so well um mm-hmm. some other what was the hang on the, the uh or the show that she was in oh yeah i never on, saw um, it um, was it on i don't netflix. know I, don't, I think i saw it on netflix called yeah. unbelievable yes um she she is that's that's her best performance that i've seen she's so nice. good in that and then she uh she's on a miniseries also on hulu i think called dope sick oh uh, yeah i didn't years know she ago. was in that hmm. keaton uh was kind of the star yeah. of that um she's again a very troubled uh traumatized character in that as well she just she nails that that kind of role so mm-hmm. yeah it'd be, it'd be remiss if we didn't mention that absolutely um, and the other thing I wanted to kind of touch on real, really quickly was I had an experience after I finished the movie that it just bummed me out so much because I, I looked at the credits and everything and I saw that Brian Duffield made the movie. And the reason that that bummed me out is that I didn't realize that he had directed it and written it and everything because his, one of his previous movies in 2020 was Spontaneous, which uh, was another movie that he wrote and directed. Um, I believe he co-wrote it actually, but that movie is phenomenal. Like it is, it's Catherine Langford and Charlie Plummer as, uh, two teenagers. I'll just read the quick, uh, plot summary, uh, from IMDb, but it's, a um, when students in their high school begin inexplicably exploding, literally, seniors Mara and Dylan, uh, struggle to survive in a world where each moment may be their last. Um, as an unexpected romance blossoms between them, Mara and Dylan discover that when tomorrow is no longer promised, they can finally start living for today. That movie just like obliterated me. That is an incredible, like coming of age horror movie, coming of age romance. It is, it, it deals with some incredibly heavy topics like loss and not like like the plot summary says not knowing like not having tomorrow promised and having that play out among teenagers like teenage characters who teenagers notoriously think that they can live forever um like having there's so much there's so much to that movie and so going going into imdb after after watching uh no one will save you. I was so bummed out because I know that Brian Duffield is capable of making an incredibly like subtle and incredibly moving and, and thought provoking movie. And at the end of the day, I just feel like no one will save you is none of those things in, in the way that it could have or should have been. So it was just, it was such a bummer. Hopefully he does well with his next project, but that just really that really bothered me, or that that really bummed me out. <laughs> okay. So 
Interesting. I, I totally missed uh, Spontaneous. I haven't seen that. I wasn't really familiar with it. So Yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, I don't know if yeah. it's streaming anywhere, but uh, definitely seek it out because it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. He, he wrote uh, The Babysitter and Underwater. Yes. Which were both uh i think pretty underrated movies in my opinion i liked mm. both of those quite a bit so yeah i loved the babysitter the we reviewed yeah. uh the sequel that was terrible but that original one yeah. was really good <laughs> right yeah, yeah. No, that was a cool movie yeah. yeah yeah um okay so that's our review of no one will save you um let us know what you thought about it and everything you know where to reach us and everything um uh, also check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and check the shop page on that as well. Um, Tiny, do you want to do a quick rapid fire potpourri section to close us out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've just got like one thing really to bring up. Okay. Same here. So we're going to close it out with a potpourri section, which is just us talking about stuff we've watched or looking forward to whatever, whatever smells good. Um, it's the potpourri section. So I'll get us kicked off with just a really quick, um, uh, review of It Lives Inside, which is currently in theaters. It's a horror movie. Um, an Indian American teenager struggling with her cultural identity uh, has a falling out with her former best friend and in the process unwittingly releases a demonic entity that grows stronger by feeding on her loneliness. Um, I really, really wanted to enjoy this movie. I really wanted to uh, to love it, but it just, it just felt like it was a little bit pigeonholed by its kind of cliched or rote um, kind of uh, kind of premise, uh, which is such a shame because it by having it be about um, an Indian American teenager, um, that is a that is a unique voice. That's a unique kind of. Uh, uh, storyline to explore and there's a lot of really good stuff with her and her parents and her relationship with her mother and everything and and the way that that unfolds is really really well done but the biggest problem I had with it was that the demon aspect of it felt so ill-defined and it just I feel like the the inner logic the internal logic of the demon and the rules that it had were just not clearly described um and it just felt like like at one point it's like you know you can like the demon kind of sneaks up on you or you can see the demon or you can't see the demon or it 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 kills people that tries to help you but then it also is attacking people that aren't necessarily helping her it just feels like it's just like like kind of just a, a cliche or kind of kind of like um it just feels like it's like, okay, we need an action scene here. So let's just kind of break the rules that we already established. So I don't know. It just, it didn't really work for me. It might work for you. It's currently in theaters. It's, it lives inside. Um, I rated it two and a half stars on Letterboxd. Um, so yeah, so that's my right. potpourri. Has that been on your radar at all? Or do you know anything about yeah, it? Yeah, I thought it. I thought it looked kind of cool, but nice. uh, yeah, that's that's a shame it didn't land for you. Yeah, of course your mileage may vary, but uh, I wasn't too too keen on it. Um, yeah, gotcha. tiny. Do you want to close us out with your potpourri section or segment? Yeah, yeah. This this will be really brief too. Um, my so the Indiana um, Indiana State Museum, uh, their uh, IMAX theater was uh, showing Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, and uh, I asked my dad if he wanted to go because we I know he loves that movie. And um, 
we uh we went to see that it was a great great experience um they had a really nice really nice remaster of it i don't think uh glenn the manager of the theater he didn't go into any detail about the print i don't know if it was it had clearly been remastered like it looked really good but it seemed to fill the screen really well i don't know if it was like 70 millimeter i don't i don't know what it was i really don't but it they did a great job with the remaster that the sound especially was really good oh Um, i didn't for some dumb reason i did not even consider how how the sound would carry in that theater because this it's very much a sound heavy movie that's that's awesome totally totally yeah so it it was it was a great great experience we had a really good time um that movie i i think i was thinking about it more and me and my dad were talking about it like i saw that movie for the first time on vhs when i was probably like i was probably like eight or nine and Um, you know, I, I, I think basically I can make the statement that that movie was somewhat integral to my development as a sci-fi fan. You know, I, I had That's seen awesome. at the time, you know, I, I, I famously talked about how E.T. scared the shit out of me and was a nightmare source for me for like a decade. I mean, it scared the shit out of me as a kid. Um, and so I had sort of like a negative relationship to aliens i guess and to this day it's still like the most scary thing to me but close encounters of the third kind when i was still in that phase demonstrated to me that it doesn't have to be a scary thing because that movie is just beautiful and Mm -hmm. and so uh inspiring from from a from an alien contact standpoint um and so it, it was integral to me for that reason um and uh you know it 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 was just it was just a big part of my development as a sci-fi fan, you know? And at that point I had seen, I'd seen ET, I'd seen movies, I'd seen the star Wars movies by that point, you know, mm-hmm. I had seen some sci-fi stuff, but um, that one stands out and, and it's just a really, really, it's just a really great movie. It's, it's so, it's like I said, inspiring. That's, that's the word that comes to mind to me is, is how inspiring it is. Um, it's memorable. It's memorable also because it's um, takes place in Indiana, uh, in right. Muncie, Indiana specifically. Um, <laughs> uh, and you know, it was it was really cool to see it with my dad and see it in in the movie theater. I had never seen it in a in the movie theater, of course. And mm. we we got there, and we got there of course a little bit early. Me, me and my dad were talking. And he was like, "When did when did this come out again? I can't remember." And I was like. I want to say like eighty maybe, and we looked it up, and it was nineteen seventy-seven. Oh, that's oh, that's right. Yeah, and my dad was like, "Really, nineteen seventy? And he was like thinking back. It made my it made my dad like get all nostalgic because he was like, "Nice." He was like nineteen seventy-seven. He's like, I would have like just. He's like, I would have like you know been I would have been living in northern Indiana still. I was still been working for Indy. I would have like just been thinking about going to work for Indiana Bell. And wow. he's like, I know I saw this movie in the theater, but I don't remember the context of it. And I don't remember who I went with or anything, but he was like, the last time I saw this movie in the theater was 1977. God, and I was like, awesome. that's so cool that like you, you were there and you saw, I don't know. I just, that was really cool to hear, see my dad kind of go through the nostalgia of that. And he was like, he's like, yeah, I didn't even live in Indianapolis yet. And he was like, I was still living up in, northern indiana where i'm from and i was was like i think i was still working retail i hadn't even gotten to my career yet of working for the phone company and uh, i was just like wow that's just wild to think of my dad at that time and yeah um yeah it was just it was just cool just a lot of nostalgia and great experience that of course the state 
the state IMAX theater did a great job as they always yeah. do. So yeah, it's just a great experience and I wanted to share it with everybody. Very cool. Well, I'm super glad that you were able to do that. I know, I think in a previous episode you talked about being excited about it. So I'm very, very happy that you were mm-hmm. able to do it. Um, the state museum yeah. is going to have more, uh, interesting stuff coming up. Um, I know that late October they're going to show The Shining. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what else. Uh, I know Interstellar was on the list, um, right. which I thought about going to, but I think it was still TBD. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they ever announced, if they ever deed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Um, State Museum. I'll have to look Max. it up. Yeah, me too. Um, but they had like, I just, sorry, I hope that that didn't, uh, that came through. Sorry. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, mm-hmm. I was trying to discreetly find, uh, the listing of stuff that they have coming up, but, um, I don't know. I know that they showed gladiator. I think that that's already passed, but check it out. Um, I'll try to find a link and put it in the show notes of the episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. So tiny, I think that that about covers it. Any parting thoughts, anything, anything you want to say before we, before we let the guys or let the listeners go? Uh, no, just thanks for tuning in everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I will, uh, go ahead and start playing us out here in a moment, but I just want to say once again, uh, if you want to check out more exclusive content without a subscription to Patreon, go to obsessiveviewer.com slash Patreon and see all of the, Uh, Stuff we have on the Patreon shop, we have four immediate movie reaction packs. So all told, that is a total of like 60 some uh, immediate movie reactions running from 2022 up until just this week. Um, We have a couple of packs of audio commentaries. Right now, I just have the Stephen King adaptation commentary. So uh, one is uh, commentaries for Pet Cemetery, It Chapter 2, and In the Tall Grass. The other one is commentaries for Shawshank Redemption, The Shining, and Doctor Sleep. And in addition to that, we have a lot of Stephen King read-along reviews that I've done. So again, check that out, patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer slash shop or at obsessiveviewer.com slash Patreon. I'm going to start playing us out. Um, uh, Yeah, once again, thank you guys so much for listening. Not sure what we're going to do next time on the show, but uh, check it out, uh, like, subscribe and all that. Um, And... Uh, check out the other shows, Tower Junkies and Anthology. Um, Tiny, uh, looking forward to doing this again. So thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. And now enjoy this short clip from our Patreon exclusive RSS feed. For the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, such as early access to episodes, TV book and movie reviews and reaction recordings, commentary tracks, and Patreon poopery episodes, go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. And like, I was like, oh, uh, you know, I've been putting off getting my flu shot. So I'm like, hey, uh, I want to get my flu shot. And they're like, okay, and do you also want to get your COVID booster? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, first I was like, is it still free? Um, and then he was like, yeah, if, if you know, if your insurance covers, it, I'm like, good. So I did that, and I did that on a Wednesday. And I called off work on Thursday because it just wrecked me. Like the combination of the flu shot and the booster was like, I had COVID arm, which wasn't bad, 
But like, I just felt yeah. just so just drained and achy and diarrheal. Um, <laughs> it was, it was. This podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find links to all of our shows at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.